How do you maximize performance with your sales force? My name is Anthony Garcia, and I'm the host of the Catapulting Commissions podcast. Join me every week as we discuss topics such as performance or improving retention. And we do so by interviewing some of the top sales professionals and entrepreneurs around the world. Now, let's enjoy the show. Catapulting Commissions family, welcome back to this episode of Catapulting Commissions. Incredibly excited to have you with me. Now, today's guest, we go way back. And when I say we go way back, you follow the Catapulting Commission show and learn my story. It's clear to know I started my sales career nearly 18 years ago. Selling Cutco Cutlery was my job in college, ran with it and done plenty of different industries, uh, modalities since then. But my guest today has spent 22 years and recently retired from the Cutco organization. So I bring this to you with a lot of excitement because there's a lot of the skills and techniques and training uh, and mentoring that I learned early in my career from Ryan Casey that we're going to talk about today. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Ryan Casey. In 22 years in Cutco, generated nearly $40 million in revenue, $40 million in kitchen knives. Just think about that for a second. That's not an easy task. Train and develop over 3,000 sales representatives. Talk about development. Has developed personally over 50 people into positions of leaderships divided between branch managers and district managers. So you take that leadership skills that we talk about on the Catapulti Commission show, Ryan Casey embodies it. Transitioned his career. Now he's a multi-gym owner of Orange Theory Fitness. I know many of my listeners are active members in Orange Theory or are familiar with Orange Theory, but check this out. He wasn't only good at Cutco. He took to Orange Theory, and in Orange Theory, I want to read this correctly. One of the gyms he opened finished top 10 in Orange Theory's history at the time of opening for opening membership. He followed that up with a second gym and got 1,000 members in less than nine months. So to say this guy knows how to sell is an understatement. So we're glad to bring him on the Catapulti Commission's podcast. Ryan Casey, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Yeah, man. Incredibly pumped to have you here. I'm glad we reconnected on this thing. So before we get recorded... Let, let, let's just say this. Hey, man, it's time during COVID. I hope everything's going well with you and the family and everyone staying safe. Yeah, definitely. We've uh, had a lot of fun family time here with the two little ones. You know, it's, it's funny you say that. You know, you, you have little ones. I have, I have ones that are uh, school age. I've learned I'm a horrible school teacher. I'm, I'm really bad, actually. I don't enforce the rules. I'm really good at PE. But other than that, <laughs> I'm not the teacher. So, all right, man, let's talk about this here, dude. You have a long track record of success. You transitioned from Cutco, you moved into Orange Theory. That transitioning, I mean, at what point did you say, hey, I'm ready for a new journey, a new venture? 22 years, by no means a small career, accolades. I mean, I'm sure you can call Cutco and open the door and they would welcome you back with open arms. You were that successful. There's people listening to this show right now that have a successful career in said industry, whatever it is, and think about taking a journey on themselves or doing something or transitioning something for themselves. Can you walk us through that period of transitioning from Cutco to multiple gyms right now? Yeah, the, the transition, initially, it wasn't going to be a transition. It was uh, in addition to. So I saw... I was a member at the first Orange Theory in Washington State. Um, I always hated going to the gym. I never liked it. And I went and I actually liked it. I'm like, this is cool. And I saw them open up their second location. I was like, well, that's basically what I do with training sales managers is I open up a location, train it, and I run it through the manager. I'm like, that would be like kind of having another office in my division. And so um, we got into it and we, we, we opened a couple up. And initially, it was more for an investment 
Um, I didn't want to be an operator. I wanted to be an owner. And the other part of it is, you know, in Cutco, we teach life skills, we teach leadership, we teach sales, and we, we talk about how much it's going to pay off down the road in all sorts of industries. But I hadn't really put that to the test personally as much because I had been with Cutco for, at that time, was about 18 years. And so I wanted to see how well it translates, you know, and, um, and it, it translated great. You know, we, we opened up our first location and it, we, we shot off like a rocket and uh, used that to open up our second location two years later. And after having both studios open for, a, a, you know, a couple years there, um, the amount, I, I love Cutco so much, but with two little ones and gems, the, the amount of time I was spending with Cutco, uh, it just wasn't, it, it wasn't aligned with what I wanted to move for and spending more family time and doing some things where I could have a little more flexibility. Nice. I, I like what you said there about it wasn't designed to replacement. It was designed to addition. And, you know, we'll, we'll touch base on what you said at the end about, you know, family and having little ones, but that in addition, that multiple streams of income is mm-hmm. so, so important for like long-term generational wealth. I talk about it all the time. Uh, you know, for anyone who, who's followed me, I, I'm definitely actively engaged in multiple streams of income. So much so, funny, funny story. I actually reached out to try to open up Orange Theory where I live. And, and I'm, apparently my email came a few months late because I did get a response that they had somebody in, in the hopper. And I was like, ah, oh, man. And so I was waiting. And a few months later, the Orange Theory, literally less than five minutes from my house opened up. They went fast. I mean, we got in literally a month before a former executive at Microsoft uh, bought the region. And so wow. literally if we were a month or two late, we wouldn't have it. And since then all the other small owners in our region are gone. Um, he has the, the whole thing there. Um, and then we have our two mom and pop studios, but we, even as owners, we can't get other locations. So they, they went pretty quickly. Yeah, they, it was, it was pretty fast. And I was, I mean, I looked at it, I did all, I did all my research and I was, I was ready to pull the trigger on that, but uh, you, you, it was multiple streams of income, which leads mm-hmm. me back to my, what you originally said. In Cutco, you had this thing, and, and we've talked about skills for life. And, and, you know, what skills did you develop, A, being a Cutco rep, B, being a Cutco manager, that that you felt transitioned from running Cutco, teaching people how to sell knives, to now running a gym, managing employees, driving membership. What skills transitioned from Cutco to Orange Theory? Well, I think as a sales rep, the biggest thing was just that that sales is not a talent. So sales is, and I don't even think sales is a skill, but sales is more a set of skills that is anybody can learn. Uh, When I started selling Cutco, I was terrible. I was a shy kid. I went home and told my parents I'd be selling knives. And I still, to this day, have never seen my dad laugh so hard that this shy kid was going to go attempt to sell something directly in people's homes um, that it just didn't make any sense to him. And I was never one of those people who was super charismatic. He'd throw in a room and I could just naturally talk to everybody. So everything was very learned, right? So it gave me the, the view that I could take any quality person who's willing to learn and I can teach them sales. And so just from going through that myself. Um, and so that really helped. And so now when we're looking for employees, I don't have to look for, okay, who's really great at sales? I'm like, I can teach somebody that. I want somebody who's going to fit our business, who's about the community, who's enthusiastic about our product. And so that, that really helped. And then with the management, um, you know, it's just being able to run it and, and teach through people. And I think so many times when people start a business or, or their manager, they have everything where depending on them and it's tough to set things up to run without you. Right. 
and that they make themselves such an important cog in the wheel that, you know, we all had that you, if you remember back those Cutco days where you go on that trip for a week and you come back and it, you're all of a sudden a fireman putting out all the fires that happened that last week versus the managers who really have it down, you would leave and your business would do more when you were gone. Right. And so really learning to that, I, I wanted to, and it was, it was interesting with the first orange theory because we didn't know what we were doing. We never opened a gym before. So there was a balance of diving in and really learning the business, but not making business dependent on myself. It was investment. I wanted it to be operate independent myself. I did a job. I didn't want to have their job, right? So, um, but learning through Cutco of how to work through people, uh, empower people to make good decisions and let them, you know, having the patience to let them make mistakes, um, but to learn and, and be able to run the, the business. That's, that's really where I saw the, the translation there. So you, you, you mentioned, you know, the fireman that comes out and puts out and you talk about letting people run the ship, fly, fly the plane, whatever the story is. Yeah. And I do remember that skill. And it's, it's funny, even now so much so as, as you know, I run a high performance sales team, manage a few businesses. I, I always talk about, hey, you know, don't let me be, don't let me carry the monkey on my back. And it's some old Harvard business article I read and I have it printed out and somewhere in my desk. But the idea behind it is, you know, why would I carry something on my back when I can put it on someone else's back and we can keep moving forward. And, yeah. so, but here's a, here's a ch uh, challenge that I struggle with. And I'm curious on your take on it. At what point do you jump in and say, Hey, I can do this better. Or do you let your people that you're training fail because if they fail at the end of the day right the orange theory is on your expense there was no magic funnel of money that was like hey we're going to cover this ryan if we don't get it so how do you transition or balance between i'm going to teach you how to do this and i'm gonna let you fail hit the road to the bumps or b i'm going to control this until profitably i can stay afloat and afford the mistakes I, where is that fine line what's that balance for you yeah there's, there's definitely the threshold and I, I think you said if it's going to take the business under obviously i'm going to jump in so for our lower level sales associate type things yeah i'm not i'm not touching any of that right i think i've closed one orange theory sale where i did everything myself without anything most of it was i was helping somebody else do it because once you start doing things now it's okay he's going to always be doing that. And that's, I didn't want to start that from the very beginning. Um, but we have had where, you know, the studio manager is basically the person who runs the show. And uh, we had a studio manager, but we've actually had two in our first one that's been open four years where that person, we brought in somebody new, they didn't work out. And it was kind of a short leash. Like I, that wasn't going to happen. And so I had to kind of come in for a little bit for the meantime but my rule that I always try, I always try to follow the, what if they got hit by a bus rule, right? I always try to have that in place where, you know, if, if my business depends on this person and if they got hit by a bus, you never want to say, what if they quit, right? Because why would somebody quit your business if you're such a great manager and such a great business? So I always have the hit by a bus rule. Like but that. if somebody got, if your leader got hit by a bus, would you have somebody to be able to, to come in there right away? And I've, that's always been a really important thing because I don't want to have to jump in and in Orange Theory is such a, a tech savvy business. They've evolved so much that, that that position has evolved a lot from the first, you know, when we started four years ago. And, you know, I don't want to have to like dive in and do that job myself because it's, it's a tough job, you know, and, and they, they get rewarded really well for it. It's great. But I want to make sure I have somebody in waiting, right? And, and that was one thing we also learned at Cutco is having that development pipeline. And so that wasn't something that, 
was really in the orange theory model of like, okay, here's what you do when you're a studio manager. You, they're just like, we'll hire another one. Like, I don't like bringing it in and having them new for the culture. And we, we've had to do that, but it, it you know, we, we tried to now have, you know, people backed up there. So uh, if, if something did happen, we could really just uh, not skip a beat. It, you know, that development pipeline, it's interesting to hear you say you transitioned that from Coco to Orange Theory. And recently uh, on the podcast and in an article I published in Forbes, we talked about how do you develop a culture? How do you create a culture of development? Is there something that you're doing to create this culture where people want to grow and advance within Orange Theory? Or are people saying, hey, here's my, this is a stepping stone for me. Or am I trying to learn something here before I go somewhere else? What does that culture look like and how are you creating it within your studios? Yeah, I would say there's two things that we really focus on is for my higher level studio managers, I don't want them doing anything that the entry level people, the sales associates are doing unless they're showing them. And that that's one thing to say, okay, you're doing it and you're showing somebody how to do it, but I want to take it a step further. So if my manager is, is showing somebody how to do it, I want them to show them how to teach it right? So you teach people to be able to teach it. The best way to learn is to teach. That's something uh, anybody's worked with me has heard that a, bit, a million times. So what happens is if the studio manager is working with people like that, they don't have to do a ton. And when we hire a new person, they can really just throw them in with any group of sales associates and they all know how to teach it. And that takes a lot of pressure off of that one manager. If they're, they're solely in charge of training and hiring everybody and making sure they're going to be good, that's a lot to put on them along their other daily duties. So be able to have some assistance with that. So that's one of the things is whenever they're working with somebody is they're not just teaching them, but teaching them how to teach it. And then the second thing is, especially working with younger people, and it, you'll see this came right out of the Cutco book, is we want to develop them as people too. And, you know, one of the things when I got in the gym industry, I was looking, we did the, I did the initial rounds of hiring for the first year or so. And looking at resumes, I'm like, you've had 24 different jobs in the fitness industry in the last 18 months. It's like, how, how is that? I've worked for the same place for 18 years. How did you do that? Right. And the, the retention is, is terrible in the fitness industry. And that's not something that I wanted to deal with. I wanted to have, you know, if you have a thousand members and it's a boutique fitness, it's upscale. They want people to know their names and it's hard to memorize a thousand members names, you know, if, if you're just starting. So we want sales associates that are around there along. So one of the things we've always focused on is, is developing your people and giving them value that they're not going to get anywhere else. And that really comes down to caring about their next step, even when they're not with you. And, and that's right out of the Cutco playbook is we develop people for their next step. Most jobs, they develop you to do that job. They don't want you to leave and they're not going to give you any tools that would help you leave. That would be foolish of them. Right. And so you know, we know there, nobody's going to be an entry-level sales associate forever. So we work with that and say, we, we're going to give them as much value as possible to keep them as wrong as, as long as we possibly can, though. You know, that, that caring for people, that people over profits is what I'm hearing you talk about. Right? I care about my people. I want to develop my people. I, you know, you, you mentioned to start, you know, you have a two-orange theory or a mom-and-pop shop owner versus, you know, the conglomerate next to you that's buying up the entire area. Now, I don't know, and I'm not going to speak ill, but I'm going to translate this to corporate America. As you climb the ranks in corporate America, and as these companies get bigger and bigger and bigger, you do lose some of that people yeah. over profits, and people suffer from it. The retention rate for sales professionals is 18 months. 
18 months. So, you know, you mentioned that. So when I interview people who want to hire and want to break into a six-figure sales job, I look at them, I'm like, hey, you've been in the professional workspace for 12 years. You've had six jobs. I want you to realize something. To me, that's not attractive because you don't even know the ups and downs in your industry yet. You, you were there long enough to have a decent year and it's like, hey, I'm going to the next comp plan. I'm going to the next thing. And so, but unfortunately, that's the culture that's starting to get developed is, is, is what's the next best thing. And because companies are consistently putting profits over people, we lose that retention. So to hear you say you're invested in your people, I imagine that makes the orange theories you're at pretty fun and enjoyable, not only for your employees, but also for your members, because employees that are happy to be there create an experience of, of, of retention for your members. Is that something that you guys track, like your, your customer, your member retention, how long someone stays with you? Are these contracts? Now, now I may not, I shouldn't know this, but I don't know this. My wife takes care of all that. Is this like a, is this a contract? Is this a membership? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a monthly membership and, you know, we fo- have attrition rates that we follow and for, for a studio of our size, our, our attrition rates pretty good. We, before COVID we had, you know, we were maxed out basically. We were at the point where, you know, we were fluctuating kind of the higher period, but there's no way we could have added like another 200 members to our, our studio. We we're right at kind of a sweet spot and, and we just hit past January. So we we're kind of at the peak, you know, January, let's yeah. get that influx. But, you know, with our one studio being open four years, Every year, month over month, growth. we had growth. Every month for four years, besides one month where we had Snowmageddon up here and they closed down stuff for a couple of weeks. But, and, and so that, that just really showed how great our people are and in the community. Most of our members are referrals, right? They're like, yeah, everybody knows Orange Theory, right? And so um, once they're, like our, our members, they wear their Orange Theory swag, they post stuff on their Facebook You know, it's rare that even when we have a cold lead come in, they're like, yeah, my friend I know does this, you know? So um, it's, we have really great communities. And I think that's because of our staff. We have a great staff from leadership, studio managers, our coaches are phenomenal. And even our our front desk staff and everybody, they're they're great. And um, so that's where I try to focus, keeping, keeping them great. I like that. Again, people over profits. I think the attrition rate, the entire flow, the entire focus starts from the top, which is a phenomenal leadership uh, skill. Not only that, that I know you possess, but there's, I can find 3000 sales reps that would also agree that have sold Cutco <laughs> that you were a badass. So yeah. you, you started the show by saying sales um, isn't a skill. It's a set of skills that yeah. people must learn. What are those set of skills that you believe people need to to know or develop to be successful in sales. So, so this is funny because uh, I, working with our staff, I, I have one person in particular, I won't say her name. She's still with us over four years. And when she was a sales associate, she's like, I love Orange Theory. I love our stuff. I love our people. I love helping people hit our goals, but I don't like sales. Like I can't sell. I don't want to sell them. And I, I broke it down. I just, I started thinking off the cuff. I'm like, well, do you like building a connection with people? She's like, I love it. All right. Okay, great. Well, do you, do you like asking questions to figure out what their goals are and, and what they really want? She's like, oh yeah, I love that part. Like, do you like telling them about our product and like telling, explaining how orange theory fits them? And they're like, oh yeah, that's, that's great. And if they have a problem, don't you want to help them solve it? And she's like, yeah. And then once they, if they, they do decide to work with us, aren't you happy for him? And you want to like high five him and congratulate him. And she's like, yeah, I'm like, you just sold, right? That's what sales is. And it was kind of like, what's the, the movie with uh, uh, Ryan Gosling. He's like, you Miyagi me or uh, Steve Carell. Right. And it was he, like Miyagi her. She's like, Oh, 
wait, that, that is sales. And so we, we kind of just put that together. And a lot of it is just framing it in a different way of what they're used to. So we kind of have a five-step process. And before that, we, we kind of set up with a main objective. I think the objective is one of the biggest things if you're building a sales culture with your team, because as the manager, that's what you're going to be constantly promoting. And um, if your objective is just to make sales, hey, our job is to make sales, you're going to turn a lot of people off, right? At least in, in, if you're in a sales industry and like medical equipment, something where they're diehard sales, yeah, great. But in an entry-level position, no, nobody comes to work with a fitness place or a beauty salon because they love sales. <laughs> they, they go there because they like beauty products or fitness, right? They put up with the sales. And so what our objective is like, our, our objective is to create long-term members. And, and I just ran a sales challenge for some other franchisees. And I asked, what, what's your objective? And I got some funny answers. One of them was like, to know our customers, why? And I said, that's, that's great. That's a good objective. But here's the thing is you have to look at your objective as a timeline. And if this is your timeline, does your objective, does a sale happen within the timeline or outside of that timeline? So if your objective is, I want to know their why, that's a great objective, but the sale can happen after that. So when you're talking to your salespeople, you say, okay, did you find out their why? And you're like, yeah, I did. This is what their why is. You're like, awesome. You accomplished the objective. Did they buy? No. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> you're not going to have a very good thriving business that way. Right. But if our objective is to create a long-term member and uh, help them hit their goals and create a community, that's the objective. Well, they have to buy to be able to get to that point. So the sale is just part of the bigger process. So I think that's one of the biggest things is having an objective that a sale falls within that timeline, but it's a bigger objective to where you're talking, when you're managing your salespeople, you're not saying, did you sell? You're saying, is that person going to be a long-term member, right? If I'm in the, you know, direct sales business to business, maybe it's something like I want to have a, a lead flow of referrals from my happy customers. That's my main objective is to consistently having recommendations uh, coming in, referrals coming from there. So then when you're managing those people, it's like, Hey, did you get referrals from your happy customers? Right. And if you're not getting, uh, you know, referrals, you know, then you, okay, you didn't accomplish it. Right. But if you're just focusing on that sale, especially with entry level, it turns them off. Hey, I wanted to take a quick minute and interrupt this episode for a second. I hope you're enjoying what you've heard thus far. Are you a sales professional or do you manage a team of sales professionals? I imagine you know someone who struggles with complacency. I'm talking about the sales rep who has all the tools to be a top performer, but just can't seem to get past the mental hurdle that is holding them back. I completely understand and I relate with you. That is why I've created a detailed approach on how to get out of this stage of complacency and put yourself in position to achieve your next sales goal. Be sure to visit my website, catapultingcommissions.com. Once there, you can find the link to pick up a copy of my international best-selling book, Catapulting Commissions. Now, let's get back to our show. You know, that is it's so funny you say that. People don't, uh, nobody wants to be in sales at an entry-level position. And it's funny, as, as, as I interview and, and manage experienced sales professional, I always ask the question, how'd you get into sales? Why'd you get into sales, right? One of my uh, sales reps that works for me, top performer, has done incredibly well. She was a pre-med student. There's there's nothing further from being in sales than being pre-med. Yeah. And so, uh, but that skill set that sales has, how you said you Miyagi somebody, everyone has it. They just don't yeah. fully understand 
what steps and processes to go through. And I like how you elaborate on what's the objective, because in, in the, in the team that I manage right now, you know, we, we have a repeat business model where, and so I tell people like, you know, our sales take place multiple times, multiple times. If the objective is to only get this one sale, then yeah, you're going to sound pushy. You're going to come off desperate. You might even get it. But over the long term, I'm here for the marathon, not the sprint. So our objective is when this person thinks of XYZ, surgical procedure, whatever, they think of you. They don't think of the company. They think of you. And when they think of you, now you've, you've, you've gained that trust. You've hit your objective. And now you can drive revenue, raise commissions. But I'm interested on in your take on this, Ryan, because to me, that's easy. When I, when I launched Anthony Garcia, Inc. and the Catapulting Commission's brand and launched my coaching model and launched all these things, holy wow, dude, even as experienced as I was, my whiteboard was filled with where do I want people to go? How do I want someone to flow and get with me? And how do I align that objective? When you start and, and you go on adventure on your own, Right. And we'll use Orange Theory. I know you do. You're working on on a new program right now. Who do you consult with or how do you you know, do you just throw, hey, here's all the possible objectives. Here's the best possible objective. I'm curious on your take. And I don't want to tell you what I did because mine was was, I think, a mess. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious on your thoughts. Well, I, I will say I am learning as I go right now. Um, and it's uh, we were talking earlier about that transition from it's your job to help people to give them time and information to now that's a product and you know how you charge for that and what, what the objective is. But um, you know, I have my whole whiteboard of stuff, but I think it's really just, I've been really focused on connecting with people in the industry and, and trying to learn the best practices. You know, that's, that's how I started as I came into Cutco, not knowing anything. And I got paired up with good people and had good managers and asked lots of questions. And that, that's what I'm doing the same kind of thing. So I'm, I'm working with a guy, Eric Van Horn, who's, runs the franchise secrets podcast and is a great guy. He's also in the front row dads group, really good guy. And we're Ryan Levesque doing quiz funnel stuff. Working also a front row dad guy and kind of learning from his best. And so I'm still figuring that out. But I think as long as I know that my overall objective, the sale happens in between, right? I think my big thing is I want, people that have thriving businesses that that's, I love talking business. I love helping people. And that's, that's a kind of the direction I want to move is I want to help people have thriving businesses. And I know with some people that don't have that sales background, teaching their people how to sell, it's tough. And I also love the people, the seeing people who don't think they know how to sell or don't like to sell when you phrase it the right way. They're like, you know what? I actually do like that. And I do, you know what, I, I, you're changing how people think about sales. Because as a salesperson who knows sales, when you go buy something, you want to be sold the right way, right? I want to be sold when I go buy t a TV and I don't know all the, the specs and all this stuff. I'm like, here's what I want. Tell me what I need. And, you know, build, build a little connection. Ask me what I'm going to use it for, you know, and yes, I'll buy it. Let's, let's sell me the right way, you know? So want to kind of help spread that, I guess, is the direction I'm moving. Be careful with, with you just saying you want to be sold the right way. Because I made a <laughs> statement like that a while ago. This is the day of social media now. My my LinkedIn profile, I've had some pretty aggressive salespeople. I've had some unaggressive. Uh, a guy who's doing video editing for me, I mean, he finally got to me. I mean, this was email. And it wasn't just like, hey, buddy, how's it going? It was like, 
here's a new video. Here's a new video. It was just constant ensuring that he was at the top of my inbox. And now I'm, you know, we're not going to talk about the digital selling and, yeah. and how to do that. Cause that's a whole nother, uh, that could be a whole nother multi-series podcast, mm-hmm. but you are correct in saying that as a sales professional, I want to be sold. I want, I want your best. Cause I'm going to give yeah. you some objections. Like, Hey, I don't think, and if you can handle them, you know, we appreciate that art and that skill of salesmanship or saleswomanship. Uh, however, however we want to classify it. Yeah. So, the the ability of this set of sales and and moving on and transitioning now you are training and 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 teaching and, and you're doing some some things a little bit different now you know you have your orange theory going you you have you know other investments but this new venture you're on you're essentially teaching sales to a specific category of people from what we talked about pre-air was franchisees right yeah. how do i sell that business what are some of those challenges when people start these new business ventures? They want to learn sales and they think it's easier said than done. They don't really know the processes to follow. What process are you teaching? Are you teaching a, a specific methodology that is that is yours? Are you franchising another methodology? What are you teaching these folks? Yeah, well, um, with, with franchising, what I've noticed is there's a lot of different problems. Either the, the, the owner doesn't have any sales background. Um, maybe they're depending fully on the franchisor for their programs. And most of the times they'll have a sales process, but they, most of them that I've seen and what I've heard from other franchisees is they don't do a great job getting down on the sales associate level and teaching sales. So basically I've kind of patchworked my, you know, information, all I've read a million sales books, you know, and put it together simple five steps that we teach our people. So the first thing is objective. That's not part of the steps. That's something more for the manager sharing. So our, our first five steps are one is building rapport. You know, any sales book is going to tell you about connection and, and stuff there. But, um, you know, we really dig in and say, okay, well, all the businesses are different. You know, some businesses, you might have 10 seconds to build rapport. Others, you might have 10 minutes. So you have to know your time frame, know how to work. Are you doing a quick question, a quick compliment, and then good at follow-up questions to build that rapport? Or do you have a, an intro time? Like with Orange Theory, they come and sit down with you for 15 minutes and we go through their intake form. So that have, you have the time built in. So rapport is the first thing. And you don't really get any objections from salespeople about real building rapport. They're like, okay, I can get to know people, all right? Um, the second thing is teaching them to ask the good questions. And I think this is where most of the skill really comes in. If you want to not have a, a business where you're handling a lot of objections, if you're having a lot of, you know, most people think that closing is 90% of the sale. Closing should be 10% of the sale. You know, 90% of the sale should be making the closing easy. <laughs> and so uh, the asking the right questions, you know, knowing what your typical objections are and handling those before they come up, you know, asking how a customer wants to be sold. One of the easiest things we do is we ask a customer, okay, what have you done in the past? What did you like about it? What didn't you like about it? They just told you what they want and what they don't like. And now you know what to emphasize so that each step really builds on it as well. Cause if you build good rapport, you're going to be able to ask better questions. You're going to get more specific answers. We work in an industry with weight loss and things like that, where it can be sensitive subjects and people aren't just going to open up to somebody they don't trust. And if they just give you a generic, you know, why you're not going to be able to really solve that pinpoint, hit that on an emotional level. So rapport first, asking good questions. And then instead of selling, we talk about educating, you educate them. And basically what you're doing is you're hitting all the points that they mentioned on their questions. And if you do a good job on this step, a customer should feel like your product or service 
was designed specifically for them. And every time you describe it to a customer, it should be a little bit different for each person. Like for Orange Theory, for me, I love the stats. I love the potential competition. I love seeing the numbers on the screen. If you explain that and really emphasize that to a majority of our members, that would sound terrible. They wouldn't like that, but they like the community and the friendship and having that coach support. It's the same product, but we emphasize the things that they really are looking for. And we don't talk about the things that they, they don't care about, right? That streamlines your presentation, streamlines your value proposition. And then at that point, people should want to get it, right? If they don't, if, if something's keeping them back, there's a problem. So that's where handling objections, but you talk to a new person who's not familiar with sales, they're like, okay, here's where we handle our customers' objections. How many people do you know that want to be handled, right? That, that does it. So we don't, we don't talk about handling objections. We talk about listening and problem solving. So they want it something's holding them back. Let's listen to them. Right. And it's just the, it's what every salesperson is taught is the objection cycle. Listen, you know, listen, pause, repeat, then you clarify. And it's teaching them to ask a couple good yes questions to isolate, make sure you get the real objection. And then you give them a solution, you know, versus just cramming answers to their uh, objections down their throat, like a lot of salespeople do. Right. And at that point they've bought, but that's not where we stop. We go one step further and we reassure. And so when customers say yes, because remember, our objective isn't that they say yes and they get a membership. Our objective is they're a long-term member and they're going to hit goals. So you go to a fast food and they, you make a purchase. They say that's $7.95. You go to a nice restaurant, you order, they say, oh, excellent choice. They make you feel good about your choice. And we also help bridge them to our objective. So in our case, we put them in our Facebook community where they can connect with other members and things. So there, there's usually something else you can add after the sale that will help them get closer to your overall objective. And that's, that's the process we teach. I love that. Build rapport, questions, educate, handle objection solutions, and then reassure. Yep. Is that, that's it. That is, that is a beautiful process. And, and the objection process for sales professionals, for new sales professionals, is scary. Yeah. However, I tell people all the time, that's instant feedback. I mean, that's, the, that's what you want to know. That's yeah. the instant feedback. The last thing you want, specifically in some of these uh, lower dollar product or services, is you don't want buyer's remorse. You don't want someone walking away and coming back in and returning yeah. your product or canceling your service. And typically, a good objection, a good solution, and... Uh, and reassurance at the end is going to give you that instant feedback, that instant credibility that people are satisfied and content with your product. So this process that you're teaching, now you're, you're coaching others, you're teaching others how to execute this process within their franchise model, whether it's you know a, a fast food model, an insurance model, eyelash model, whatever yeah. franchise. Just- we have lashes, massages, we have fitness, we have all, all sorts of stuff that we, we're people that were in that uh, initial group there. That That's awesome because that, that goes to show, you know, everything is sales. At the end of the day, I truly believe every person at any given point in time should have some experience in a sales career, form of sales training, whether they go through a Cutco program, work with you and your program, hire somebody, they should learn the sales process because yeah. the ability to influence um, a decision is something you're going to need for the rest of your life here. So now, as we start to wrap this up, Ryan, I think that it's incredibly important for my audience to understand and, and learn. You teach this is this something that someone can hire you for? Is this something that they can join your next program for? How does, how does someone get in contact and, and follow with what you're doing? I know you're just getting this thing started yeah. and rolling out, 
So if you don't have all those dialed in, don't worry, we can we can definitely uh, educate and reassure my audience that you're the right fit. You see how I threw that in there? It's pretty yeah. good. So so how does that work, bud? Right, right now, people reach out to me. I'm up for individual coaching. Uh, right now, uh, we'll be doing, I'm partnering with Eric again. We'll do another franchise sales challenge uh, later in the fall. But um, I'm putting together kind of webinar to have it more on demand that people can use as part of their training process. So that's all in the works right now. But for right now, I have uh, individual coaching that I'm happy to do. Jump on Zoom calls, coach your team, set up something like that. Um, so you can reach out to me through LinkedIn's the best way to get a hold of me. And it's, it's been fun going through some of these. We have a few individual clients we're working with from that first challenge. And we, we have just a, a whole list of questions on diving in. It's been a fun process of people involving their staffs and, and coming up with, you know, like you said, learning from the objections, where the objections we've had and, and seeing how universal it is. But then when you really dive in individually, how specific you can get and how comfortable the, the sales associates are, are becoming with it. Um, that's, I think the best feedback we've got is the sales associates like, Oh, that was totally me. And I, now I get that. Like, I'm, you know, it's, it's been a lot of fun. You know, I, I think uh, catapulting commissions family, you definitely need to check out Ryan Casey and reach out to him. Uh, last question before we finish up this interview, Ryan, you know, you, you mentioned that sales training and all these different uh, franchisees models that come to you. And I'm not sure if it hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen. And now I'm not going to bash the real estate sales training industry. because I think there's some mm -hmm. phenomenal people that do real estate sales training. But a lot of that real estate training, and this is from has been shared to me has been the real estate process. Here's how we process. Here's how you you actively promote your open house. But they fail to teach or what models have failed to teach. And, I've, and I think I'm on like my fourth model that I've gone through. Where I've done some research on I've learned. They don't teach that ability to influence why people say yes, why people say no. And one, one of a, a good friend of mine who's a high performing real estate agent in the, in the greater LA area said, you know, that ability on just teaching sales, take anything outside of it. And I'm looking at your process. I wrote it down, build rapport, questions, educate, handle objections, give solution, reassurance. That skill, even people who are selling high dollar real estate, sometimes don't fully understand that still. They're just following the real estate process. Yeah. That can go be said for plastic surgery, selling a plastic surgical solution. That can be said for commercial real estate. So are, is there an industry that you'll say no to? Or is there something like, hey, I can definitely teach you this process and, and learn the ability to influence a decision? Yeah, I think it's pretty applicable to any industry on there. Some of the industries I, you know, just not from personal experience, I don't, I don't have the, I can't tell you what the five most common objections you're going to hear in that industry, but you probably do know them and I can help you work with them, but it's, yeah, it, you can apply it anywhere. I love that. I love what you're saying there. And that goes to, to what the catapulting commissions show is all about. At the end of the day, catapulting commissions family, this podcast is designed to teach you on the ability to influence a decision, achieve higher commissions, make more money, create generational wealth, multiple sources of income, everything dialed in we discussed with Ryan Casey today. You definitely want to connect with him on the LinkedIn uh, uh, LinkedIn uh, profile. I'll be sure to include that link in the profile in the show notes below. Ryan, man, it's been a pleasure to have you on the Catapult Commissions podcast. Got to ask you, buddy, on air, can I get you back in a year or two? Because I'm oh. curious to see how much growth has taken place from this new venture you're locking up. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm excited and it's learning new things. I'll be excited to share and uh, 
maybe get some uh, free goodies to the, the listeners there. Fantastic. Ryan, I appreciate your time today. Catapulting Commissions family, as always, be sure to click subscribe. If you're on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever your podcast player is, click subscribe. If you're watching the YouTube video or, or uh, the other video version, like Twitch, click subscribe there as well. Going to get better at this video <laughs> thing, guys. Thanks for subscribing. Thanks for joining. I'll see you next Wednesday. Well, that does it for today's episode on Catapulting Commissions with Anthony Garcia. If you found some value in today's show, please be sure to head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. Don't forget to subscribe to Catapulting Commissions. That way you get notified of new episodes every week. Lastly, please take a screenshot of today's show and share it on Instagram. Every week, I'll be giving away a signed copy of my best-selling book to one person who tags me at Anthony P. Garcia 99 and includes the hashtag catapulting commissions. Thank you for your time and I look forward to helping you achieve higher commissions. <laughs>